Hi. Yeah, can you put it down here, though? Okay, would you guys do something for me? Would you move closer? Please? Just a little bit? Especially if you're, like, on the outside, maybe? I know. What a drag. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you. As we were singing, I I remembered something that happened this week. There's a little bit of feedback. Is it okay? Is it? How is it? A little feedbacky. Mm, what should I do? Any idea? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> All right. So this week at this week on Friday, I went to pick up my daughter at the elementary school, and I went a little bit early. I don't know why. I don't usually, but I did. And I went and I sat and there was another pastor there. And I'm like, hey, you got your Mother's Day message all done? And he's like, yeah. And then we just started, we just started chatting. He's like, I can't remember. I'm like, what church are you guys at again? Because we met him like the beginning of the year. I'm like, we're four square. And he's like, you know what? I so envy you because your people are actually open to the Holy Spirit. They're, they're actually open to hearing. And, and this is a, this is a mainline denomination, so I was kind of really surprised by it. Like, if you could look at theology, he's probably about as far as you can get from our church. And um, we were just chatting, and I thought it was kind of cool. But um, he's like, I envy you because your people are open to the Spirit. And I said, yeah, we are. We are. Um, but I talked to him for a while, and he's, my heart broke because he's really discouraged. And um, it's like, I've been doing this a long time. He's at the elementary school, but he's quite a bit older than I am. Um, He's like, I've been doing this a long time. And I want to pray for him. I want to pray because if the pastors in our town are discouraged, what's that going to look like for us? Right? And I heard that he is open to the Spirit. That's what I heard. And wouldn't it be cool if a church like that... It's up on campus that isn't open to the Spirit, became open to the Spirit of God. I have a lot of friends that go to that church because a lot of my friends are more comfortable going to a mainline denominational church because it's more comfortable. It's safer. Um, when Jamie and I were Methodists and we'd invite people to church, they actually almost always came because it's pretty, it, it's pretty safe, but they do hunger for God. People do hunger for God. So, if the Holy Spirit started moving in those churches, who knows, like, the effect it could have. So will you pray with me? Will you pray with me now before we start for um, for the pastors in this town, that we would be encouraged, that those are, I mean, my heart just kind of broke listening to him. I was like, God, please encourage his heart. So join with me. Father, kind God who loves people whether they believe like us or not and even us because who knows we could be really more off than we even know or would ever want to admit um, I pray for the people who are leading this community to you may they not be discouraged may you encourage their hearts may your Holy Spirit speak to them Jesus, in places where your Holy Spirit isn't allowed to be talked about or it's not comfortable, would you show up?
God, may we learn to love every church in this community. May we not be so separate and so whatever it is that keeps us apart. May we speak well of the other churches in this community. May we be the first to pray for the other churches. May we be humble enough to know that we do not have it all figured out. Thank you for your forgiveness. Forgive us. Forgive Pullman Foursquare if we have not loved well this community. Forgive me if I have thought that I have it figured out and oh, over there, because they don't let women be pastors, clearly they've got it all wrong. Um, Forgive me. Forgive me first. May I pray for these pastors. May I somehow find a way to encourage him to be who you made him to be and to to follow that hunger for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you listen. Thank you that I'm not just talking in this space, but you have the power to actually make things happen in this world. We trust you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. So something, something that I've been learning that I wanted to share with you guys is uh, Casey and I went to a training up in Spokane. I've mentioned it a few times because I actually learned a lot at that training. It was pretty great. Um, something he taught us, Roger Archer, is, and it might not seem like a big thing, but it's, I'm growing, and so I wanted to share it with you. Uh, he said it several times as we, throughout the day, he just like sneak it in. Like He said, have a book in your hand as leaders, as Christians, have a book in your hand, a question in your head, and a voice in your ear. And he said it again. Have a book in your hand. Like, always be learning. Have a book in your hand. Have a, I changed it because this was a question in your head and your heart. Always be thinking. Christians are supposed to be thinking. Have a question my God, I don't get this. Or what do you say about this? Be always learning a question in your head and in your heart and a voice in your ear. And I was like, well, a book in my hand, if you know me, that's pretty easy because I actually have like five books in every hand at the same time. So I'm like, cool, I got that one covered. I got a book in my hand, always, forever. So if you don't have a book in your hand and you'd like a book in your hand, you can ask me. I'll give you 20 so or just one. But um, a question in your head and heart, I'm like, I do that. I always have a question. There's always something I don't get about God. That's pretty easy. I'm a person. I love questions. They're kind of fun. You don't even have to answer them. Just ask them. And then a voice in your ear. I'm like, I don't, what's, what does that mean? So somebody's like, what do you, what do you mean by a voice in your ear? He's like, oh, always be listening to another, like a podcast or another teacher or somebody. Have somebody speaking into your life. Always have somebody. And I was like, oh, well, I read, so I, I haven't really listened to podcasts. But this is what's really cool and challenged me is a lot of people don't read, right? You read your school books. Well, even sometimes people that like to read, you're in school, so you read your school books, right? That's it. You're like, I'm done. But I, I'm a, I'm a reader, so I'm like, well, how do you grow if you're not a reader? Because some people are like, I read a book this year. It's amazing. And I was like, really? But that's okay. It doesn't, doesn't but so this is a way you can grow if you're not a reader a voice in your ear. And I've been sharing this with people. So like tell people, 
Like I told Curtis, hey, Curtis, at this thing we're sitting, at the, I'm like, I learned this. And he goes, oh, this is a really good podcast. This is, and I'm like, oh, tell me about it. So he's like, so remember like Bob Goff, and we all read this book together, Love Does. So his wife had a podcast on happy therapy. It's not happy. Just, it's a lie. It's not happy because Jamie and I listened to it while we were painting and he's in one hallway and he's like, are you crying? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I'm crying. Um, so it's, it's on Relevant. You guys have heard me. I talk a lot about Relevant, Relevant website, Happy Therapy, Maria Goff. So he shared it with me. So I went and listened to it. It was great. I shared it with Angela Nelson this week. Hey, I learned this thing. Have a book in your hand, a question in your heart and a voice in your ear. She's like, oh my gosh, this is my favorite podcast ever. And so it was on Bing, so I went this week, and I listened to it. So the thing that's cool about most podcasts is you can like sweep your floors, make dinner, you can empty the dishwasher while you're listening to it. So I put Angela's on this week, and I put it on, and I'm sitting there making dinner. All of a sudden, I'm like, it's right here. I'm like, this is so deep. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I found myself taking the iPad, sitting it down, and then I'm like this, like sitting there. <laughs> and then I find, all of a sudden I have a notebook in my hand, and I'm taking notes, trying to understand it. It's a good one. If you're interested, it's um, it's by Maria, it's, it's a lady named Maria Tippett, Tippett, on Bing, and she's interviewing Vaughn, oh, his name is so hard, it's on PDSD. So post transmitting, and it was super deep. But start asking people. It's a way to learn. Like you can be to people. I can tell you the name if you want. It's written in my journal because she knew I wouldn't remember. So she wrote it for me. But it's a way to be learning and you're growing in your faith. It's Sunday mornings isn't enough. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not enough to be who we need to be in this culture. The voices that we hear all the time in our schools, when you go to school, when you're watching TV, are so contrary to God that it's not enough to, I don't believe it's enough to follow Christ, like we're called to follow Christ. I think we need more. And um, so I encourage you, if you're not a reader, ask people. Say, hey, Curtis, what was that? What was that podcast? I've listened to Brene Brown. I've listened to all sorts of things. You can ask me. I've started doing it. I'm like, this is pretty cool. It's pretty great. So I want to challenge us. May we be a church that has a book in our hand, all of us, a question in your head and your heart and a voice that you're listening to. And so, and share them with other people. Um, and that actually had nothing to do with my message. Don't worry. You're like, oh man, oh no. That's just something I wanted to share with you. It's what I've been learning, what I've been growing. So today, our text, if you would put up here, um, is, ta-da, it's next. He's like, oh, you're finally ready. Oh, this is funny. This is a great story. Okay, so this is the title of my message, everybody, always. I stole it from Bob Goff. If I ever have a good title, I stole it. I'm not that creative. But I I was, like, so excited. I'm like, Bob Goff has a new book. I'm going to order it. So I ordered it. Guess what my husband ordered for me three weeks ago for Mother's Day. Yeah, I was like, I have a really great husband. And it's really funny. I'm like, I ordered, the, I ordered this book. I'm so excited. She's probably like, great. Great. So I stole it. All right, we're going to start today with Matthew 5, 43 through 48. I'm using the ESV version so we can all be on the same page. It makes it less confusing, and it's an accurate interpretation. All right, 
here we go. Would you, would you read it out loud with me, please? Thanks. All right. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5, 43-48 Father, as we look at this passage today, as we sit and we meditate and we think, may you speak to us. Use me, despite me. You know my heart is to try to encourage and to say what is really in the scripture. I invite you here, living God, Show up and speak to us. Amen. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, this was the passage for my, for my daily reading. You guys recognize this? Yeah, it was my passage for my, our daily office. It's something a lot of us in the church have done together. And um, I read it, and I just sat there for like half an hour, and I sat there, and I sat, and just sat with that. I'm like, this is what I want to speak on. This is what I want. This is what I want to, us to remember. I actually remember the first time I heard this message, this passage. I was about 11 years old, and I was in Sunday school, like a Sunday school class. I remember where I was sitting, and I remember, maybe this is the first time you've heard it, I remember thinking, this isn't, this isn't how the world works. This isn't how I do things naturally. I remember like the Holy Spirit speaking to me like this isn't how things this is this is different. And um maybe you for the first time have heard this. Maybe you hadn't heard it before and you're like this isn't the way I see things. This isn't the way I've been taught. And it's true. It's not the way we we're taught. It's not the way the world works. Um this passage is taken from if you go to the next one this is taken from the Sermon on the Mount. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you're familiar with it. If you haven't, you might not be. So what the Sermon on the Mount is, is it's Jesus. He goes up on the mountain, and there's a crowd of people around him, and he sits down, and he starts to teach. And he teaches through, I'm going to tell you if you haven't heard it before, it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. So This is a sermon that Jesus gave us. If you have grown up in the church, I challenge you to read it again and sit with it because we forget how different Jesus actually asked us to live and how different his kingdom is. When I sat and read it this week, I was cut to the heart. um, And I was reminded, every time I read it, I'm reminded that the way this world works is not the way of God's kingdom. And sometimes I forget I get caught up in this world. I get caught up in what 
I think is important, what other people around me think is important. So I encourage you, if it's been a while, take time this week. Sit down, read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you have not read it before, it will blow your mind. Um, you, it, it is so flopped from the way that we think things should be. So the Sermon on the Mount, this is, this is how I was seeing it. After I, can you show the next picture? Okay, so, so the Sermon on the Mount basically is like God saying what's on the inside is more important. Do you remember this? Do you remember this? Okay, did you guys see Inside Out? Basically, Inside Out was a movie that focused on the inside. It said like what's going on the inside is what matters. It's what matters is more than what's going on the outside. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus addressed anger, lust, divorce, an oath, like when you say your word, money, prayer, judging other people, generosity. And with each one, he said, he said this, this is what you were taught. This is how you were told. And this, this is like, this is what the church was telling them. This is what their religion was telling them. And one said, this is what your ancestors taught you. I thought of it this way. I remember my grandpa said to me, this is what your grandpa said. My grandpa said, when I was a teenager, he looked at me, he goes, I want you to hear this. I want you to listen to me. Don't trust anybody. He said that to me. And I remember like, what? Like, I, I, what? And so grandpa says, this is what my ancestor taught me. Don't trust anybody. He's like, Heidi, are you listening to me? As I said, don't trust anybody. And I remember thinking, no. No, I'm a Christian, and that's not the way we operate. God says to trust people. So and basically, Jesus is saying, this is how you've been taught from your culture. This is how you've been taught from your schooling. This is how you've been taught from grandpa. This is how you've been taught from your church, your religious leaders. And he says, but I say, I say, what's on the inside is what matters. It's a little bit unnerving because that means like all of us here can hide, right? But not from God. It's what's your inside that matters. He said, um, when you pray, hide. Go where other people don't see what you're doing. When you give something away, do it so that everybody doesn't know about it. Do it in secret. So basically, this passage is coming out of there. And they're saying, what you have been taught is, when somebody's nice to you, be nice back. Right? To the neighbor who's nice, be nice. To the other neighbor on their side who's a jerk, be a jerk. Right? That's what the world says. If someone's nice to you, these are really great neighbors. It would behoove us to be a nice neighbor back, right? It would. They're our neighbors, for real. Um, people who aren't nice, don't give them the time of day. So I remember one time Isaac was in kindergarten. You make friends with other moms just because you're kids. It happens. And she said to me, I don't understand why you, why you bother with that person. She's not nice. She said to me, I don't know why you bother with people who aren't like fun, who aren't like us. And I wish I could be like, and here's the pastor answer that I gave her, and you're going to be so amazed with me. But I was like so, I'll be honest, I was so floored. And I've just kind of, I think I'm just used to 
seeing, trying to see people the way God sees them, that I didn't have any, I didn't say anything. I, I, I was like, I don't know, why am I? Why do I? And I kind of wish she'd ask me again, like, you know, now that the kids are in sixth grade, because I have an answer, but she hasn't asked me again. But I think that's what the world says. Like, she's like, I don't get it. Why are you nice to them? Why do you even care? Those aren't, those aren't nice moms. Like, that lady's a mess. I would just stay away from her. But God is, God asks us to like, see it differently. He said, the person that's hard, I actually want you to love them. I actually want you to pursue them because I do. That's the reason why, because I do. So with that lens, that Sermon on the Mount lens, where Jesus is like, I see it different. I want to look closer at this text. So if you look with me again, if you have your Bibles open. So we already looked at, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, this is the Jesus, but this is what God's kingdom looks like. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's the always, everybody. Everybody you love. So that you may be sons of your Father who's in heaven. So what it's saying is to belong in God's kingdom. If that's where you want to belong, what God asks of us is that we love everybody, always. Not just the sweet people who are easy to get along with and you can't help but like them, but everybody. The next part says, For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. So a cool tidbit of information when I was researching. This is one of the few places in the New Testament that it actually talks about God having control over natural weather, over the natural world. But I think what it's saying here is um, God is kind to everyone and takes care of everyone, the evil and the not evil, which sometimes we all are, right? He's a benevolent God. He takes care of everybody always because he loves everybody always. The next verse says... Um, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. So maybe you're familiar with it, but in the New Testament, when it talks about the tax collectors, it's not a very nice analogy. They were basically the swindlers of the day. They were out to make a dime. They didn't have a conscience. So it's saying, if people who have no conscience, the people who are just want to make a dime or they're willing to do anything, treat people this way, then it's, it's just really not that big of a deal. It's what is it for you to do that? They're doing that too. Um, the next part it says, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. So when it says, and if you greet only your brothers, it also means like your friends. And one translation, one commentator said, it's like people who are like you, other Christians, like people who believe like you. What good is it if those are the only people that you greet? Even the Gentiles, which is meaning people who don't believe in your God, your system. Even they do that. Everybody does that. Everybody greets the people that are like them. I mean, don't you admit it? It's easier to be with people who are like you. So this is a small thing that I do, but it's something I felt God's put on my heart, is when I'm out and about... 
when I see someone who makes me uncomfortable because they're really different than me, like cross-dressers kind of makes me uncomfortable. They're really different than me. I feel like God has asked me to address them with his love and try not to be like awkward. It's a small thing, but it's what God's asked me to do. When I see someone super different than me, to greet them, to give them my presence, to say hello. Um, I do it with people who are um, a different color than me. And I try to be like, God loves you. You look different than me. I try to see that, but it, it doesn't matter. Um, hopefully someday I'll come to the point where I don't even notice, but I'm not there. I'm not there. Um, so it's something I do. It's a small thing. I don't know what God would ask you to do to greet people who are different than you. Um, the last verse is a little bit confusing. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. What am I going to do with that one, right? So this is what I've always done with it before because I've never had to preach on it. I ignore it, right? I'm like, I don't know what that means. I don't like it because I know I'm not perfect. And it doesn't necessarily match a lot of the New Testament because a lot of the New Testament is telling us you can't be perfect. You're not perfect. You're not God. So I went to the commentaries because that's what you do when you don't know. And apparently a lot of people don't know what to do with it. But perfect is often translated as whole, or complete. So he's asking us to be whole or complete as your father is whole or complete. I was like, well, that makes a little more sense. I still cannot be whole or complete. So basically what every commentary I read said is it's a moving towards. I mean, and we could have probably come up with that on our own, but I didn't want to dismiss the whole like, well, this is what I think it says without looking into it. So basically, is we are moving towards being whole. We are moving towards being complete as our Father is whole and complete. It reminded me of Jamie's talked a lot about wholehearted living. So basically, we are moving towards being a wholehearted, loving people. But it's in this context is of love. So we are moving towards loving in a whole and complete way. That's what the point of it is, is about loving in a whole and completed way. So this week, I had um, the pleasure of having coffee and tea, I had tea, with Sandy. And she gave me a perfect example for my sermon without even realizing it. And I asked if I could share it. We were just chatting. We're just talking. She's sharing about her life. And um, through, it, through, the, through the weave of the conversation, she, um, she was in a previous job where there was um, a lot of strife. It happens. And there was a, a man who basically mistreated her. Like, was just her enemy. Like, according to this text, was her enemy. And he was cruel, and he was unkind, and there was a lot of unrest. And she's just sharing this with me, you know, like, it's, it's what it is. And then, moving through her life, she was given an opportunity. Someone told her, like, hey, this is your opportunity. You can get back at him. You can get back at your last job. They like gave her an opportunity and she's just sharing this and she's like, hey, but no, that's not what I'm about. Like, no, that's not the way I roll. And I thought, that's what this passage is about. Like, she was given an opportunity to like, hey, and probably to the other person, they're like, why wouldn't you do that? Like, I'm giving you the opportunity to get back at this person who mistreated you. And she's like, no, I'm not about that. That's not how I roll. 
And I thought, well, why do we do that as Christians? Why are we? Why do we do that? There's probably lots of reasons, but this is what I was thinking. We believe in a righteous judge. So I was looking, there's tons in the New Testament about um, God being our righteous judge. One of them, lots of it in Romans, if you're familiar with Romans. I'm going to read this one to you. Romans 2, 5. But because of your hard and impotent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. We don't have to be people's judge. We don't have to go after people because God's got it. And we don't actually see things the way they really are. We just see things through our own eyes. We don't have to because God's got it. God will take care of it. He, we believe as Christians that he is a just and righteous judge and that he will take care of things. Sandy didn't need to get up in arms because it's going to be taken care of. She doesn't need to worry about it. So there's something that I've learned from Taylor while he's been here, and I really appreciate he shares it quite a bit. He um, has been on the preaching team here while they're here. His time is coming to an end as he graduates. He said that there are points of God's theology. There are points of our theology that mess with the given culture. So there's God's theology, and there's our culture, and there's going to be points that don't line up. And they're different at different times in different culture. I'm giving it my own words. And one that I see is we don't like judge. We don't like judgment. I, people like, don't, have you heard this? Don't judge me. Have you heard, I've heard it a lot. Don't judge me. Um, okay, I won't. And partly it's true because it's not my judge, my job to judge any of you, because I don't want you judging me. Um, but we, I think we don't even kind of like the idea of God judging. I think we don't. Like, he, he can't judge me. I can live how I want to live. But he's a righteous judge. So it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right, because he has the grander, the grander picture. Um, today, as we've been going through this, um, I'm not sure if it, if I said it clearly, but God's calling us to, to love everybody always. And as we, as we kind of come to an end, um, as I was working on this message, I thought, is there somebody I don't love? Everybody always. And I kind of thought that I was pretty cool. Like, I'm like, I can't think of anybody right now. Like, I think I'm pretty good. And then, um, because I feel like we have to ask that. Is there somebody from my past? Is there somebody, God, who I need to release from holding? And, um, and then I read this prayer, and I realized there's actually quite a few people that I'm still, I still couldn't pray this prayer for fully. So today, in conclusion, as we pray this prayer, a compassion prayer, um, if someone comes to your mind, because you're like, oh, no, I love everybody always. I, do, I totally do. But as we pray this prayer, if there's a part that there's somebody, you're like, I, I don't want to pray that for them. I don't really want that for them. They don't really deserve that. Or, yeah, I like all that, but not that part for, for her. Um, I encourage you to hold that person, like pray this prayer for that person. So we're going to hand it out.
So you can have your own copy. Doug, will you take that side? Jerry, will you take this side? Thanks. And we're going to pray it together as a group and ask the Holy Spirit, because we believe that the Holy Spirit is here and speaks, ask the Holy Spirit as we go through it to share somebody with you, just speak to you, put a face, a name. And then after we pray this together, I'm going to give you um, two minutes. Two minutes. And I want you to quietly, on your own, pray it again and listen. So we'll pray it once together. Then you guys all get one, because I have some more. Okay, cool. I just thought there's like hardly anybody here, so I'm going to be hardly anybody papers. Here, can I have one then? <laughs> Thanks. So we're going to pray it. it. This is a prayer written by, I'll tell you while we're passing it out. Yeah, totally. This is a prayer written by William Minninger. He is a Trappist monk who spent his life um, learning to forgive in prayer. That's his focus. This is an adapted and shortened version, and it is a powerful prayer. I found it super powerful. Cut to the heart for me. All right, so can we go to the next slide? So we're going to pray it together, and then I'm going to give you two minutes to pray it again and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. May you be happy. May you be free. May you be loving. May you be loved. May you know the fulfillment of what God has planned for you. May you experience God's deep, profound love for you. May Christ be formed in you. May you know his peace that passes all understanding. May all good things be yours. May Jesus' joy be in you, and may that joy be complete. May you know the Lord in all his goodness and compassion. May you be protected from the evil one amidst every temptation that comes your way. May the Holy Spirit fill and permeate your entire being. May you see his glory. May you be forgiven of every sin. I forgive you, or will try to forgive you, of every wound and hurt with all my heart. May God's goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. All right, take two minutes.
praying this for a person who has wounded us is no small task, but it is a significant step forward. I'd like to invite you to pray it repeatedly, even if you don't feel it. You can trust God will heal your wounds over time and do a work in you by the Holy Spirit that you cannot do in yourself. I invite you to pray this for a week to start with. Every day. So the way I do things, because what I've learned from Emotionally Healthy Relationships, the class that we take, is it's really hard to do the things we want to do. It's really hard to remember to spend time with God like we want to do. So what we found is we leave stuff out. I leave it by my bed. Leave it in my car. Leave it on my dining room table. Leave it where you'll remember. You gotta leave it out. You gotta be a little messy. If you know me, that's a little bit hard. I don't like messy. I'm learning to be a little bit messy. I encourage you, leave it somewhere this week where you'll see it, where you remember to pray it. So there's one more thing up there. It says a question to consider. Here's the question. As you consider a person who has hurt you, what words or phrases from the compassion prayer impact you most? That's how I knew that I still had people I needed to forgive. So take a moment, read through the prayer, maybe write that down. Store it in your head. I wasn't sure I liked the phrase, may all good things be yours. (laughs) I was like, well, maybe they don't deserve that. How I knew I still had some forgiveness. Yeah, God includes that in everybody always. So today as we close for two minutes, we're going to pray together. It's something we do because God's people pray, right? We talk to God together. Um, share with somebody what phrase was hard for you. And pray for each other that you'll be able to forgive. Everybody. Always. All right. So look around for somebody. Um, We just pray for a few minutes. It's how we close our services together. We're learning to get more comfortable praying with God and with other people. It's become an important part of who we are here. It's maybe different, but it seems like a no-brainer. We should be talking to God together, right? That's what Christians do. So um, as Jamie sings and closes us, Look for somebody. I noticed last week that there were a few people that were alone. If you want to be alone, that's cool. But as a church community, let's ask people so that they're alone only if they choose to be alone. So you can be alone. It's your choice. But um, look around and invite somebody to pray with you.
that the highest king would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Free at last, He has ransomed me. His grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died. For me, yes, he died for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God, yes, I am. In my father. There's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Would you stand with me? This song is an amazing song declaring who we are in Jesus. But one of the things about forgiving is the realization that those that we have held something again are just as much welcomed into the kingdom of God as we are. So as we sing this bridge, I want you to think about uh, the one that maybe you were struggling to forgive, the one that some of those words were a little challenging to, to pray for. And I want you to think that this is true of them as well. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen. Not forsaken, I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Who the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am my father's house. In my father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am.
Go in the grace of our Lord. Amen.